What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. District 5, cut the acting class. I'm Mike, that's Tommy. Hey, what's up? That's Kevin. What's up, y'all? And we have a special guest making his return visit to the podcast. Mr. Jack White is on the phone. Hey, Jack, how are you? Wow, you, you introduced me a lot bigger than you did the first time, so I feel like <laughs> I, better be, I better be good tonight, that's for sure. I don't even remember how I introduced you the last time, but I'm glad it's better. Okay. You said something like, guys, we got the guys, coach, Jack White. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully after 100, or I guess you were episode 70 before, so we're, we're about 44 episodes beyond that. Hopefully I've gotten better in those 44 episodes. A little bit. Well, you have. All of you have. So. <laughs> yeah, so um, before we sort of get into talking with Jack, just real quick, thanks everybody. Uh, for the turkey leg challenge last weekend, um, Kevin ate two and a half turkey legs. If you did not see, it. he said he was going to eat ten. And uh, if you're wondering why Kevin is here right now, uh, he did not fix his car. We actually moved to record at his studio, so uh, that is why he is here. Uh, let's get into it with Jack now. Jack, we've talked, we covered a lot of ground last time. But I think one of the things we sort of skipped over was right at the beginning. You talked about being an animator and then making the transition over to being a hockey advisor is what you wanted to do. And you passed up the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But I'm interested how you just got into the animation side of it before you even get got onto the Ducks. Well, I was uh, started in Canada, and I was 19. I got picked up to do a series up in Ottawa, Canada. It was called The Wizard of Oz, and being 19, I was, you know, I, I knew nothing at that point. I could draw a little bit, but who knew? And uh, But I was hired, and uh, I had an art teacher one time that told me, basically in life, it's 90% hard work, 10% talent, so I just worked really hard. And uh, that was the beginning, and... Uh, Worked on it, uh, did a series. They brought me back uh, to do a second uh, special for NBC called Return to Oz. And from there, uh, moved around the country, finally ending up in, uh, in the States, coming through Dallas. And from Dallas uh, out to L.A. and about 30 years in L.A. So, And what was great about all of that, I'm out there and I got to work on the Pink Panther show, that type, type of show is Hanna-Barbera. Mm-hmm. But what was fun about it all, being in L.A., being a Canadian, I was doing hockey clinics. Oh. And uh, over a period of time, different actors who had the crane would come come to me because they'd heard, here's a guy who does a clinic, the whole thing. And uh, that's how I got involved with the uh, film business. In fact, uh, Michael Eisner's, uh, a, couple, a couple of his sons uh, were coming to the clinic. So you never knew who was going to come through the door who was going to be around. You know, you might have 30 kids, that's uh, 60 parents sometimes. So, and they were involved in the business at that kind of town. So you would meet people and people would hear about you and uh, nobody else was doing it. So we did it. 
Jack, it seems like uh, your career kind of went on a very different path. When you were young, you know, 18, 19, what did you kind of envision yourself doing, uh, especially in the animation business? Well, well, to me, the Pink Panther was a dream. The fact I got to work on that show was just really a dream come true. And But you know what? When you're that young, you really have no clue. You just, you're hoping somebody will hire you to begin with. And then once you're in, you just, okay, I'm going to do the best. My biggest problem, if there was a thing I worried about, it was fear of not making it, having to go back home. To, I, was, I grew up across the river from Detroit, Winter, Ontario, and I would have to go home a failure. And that bothered me, so I just kept going. And I figured until they figure it out, I'll just keep doing this stuff. And it worked out. Awesome, awesome, yeah. So then you go to the Mighty Ducks. Now, I, I noticed something here. In the Mighty Ducks, you're listed as like a hockey choreographer, a hockey technical advisor, and a ref. In D3, you're listed as pretty much the same thing with Coach Wilson. In D2, you're only listed as a ref. Were you involved technically on D2 as well? Yeah, and uh, just just the way they do that. But everything I did on the first and second and third film were the same thing. Okay. Absolutely. You, you, you get a different director, and it's a different story, but uh, yeah, that's exactly. So uh, when they need the action, the great thing about doing hockey, very few people knew how to do it. And so like when I would do commercials, you'd come on the set, and I found out very quickly the directors had no clue. They were afraid of the ice. So the first uh, commercial I ever worked on, I stepped on the ice at the LA Forum with a bunch of other guys and they're skating around and I saw a couple of guys looking at some information. So I just skated over to them and it turned out there was the director and the uh, cinematographer. And the director turned around because they're always in a hurry. He grabbed me. I was about 190. The hair was nice, long and red. And uh, I grabbed the guy who asked me to be there and we had to fight in a, what we call a Budweiser. You can look it up if you're really bored. Mm-hmm. And not blink, but uh, Budweiser uh, referees was the spot, and uh, it was the first time. I think we made about a hundred bucks and a free lunch, and we thought we had a ball because all hockey players always have a good time. And about uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, about six months later, the same director did another one. I went back for it, got hired, and uh, did that one. I had to fight somebody in a penalty box, and. Uh, and that's how I got my side card. So that, that was the beginning. And you can you can see that one up on my uh, Facebook. So now, uh, Jack, you know you obviously uh, were very involved in all the all the hockey scenes, the movies. But there's always in each of the three movies, there's like a uh, like a rollerblading scene. Were you involved with those at all? Not really. I had my assistant uh, was Mike Kelly. I let him do the rollerblading. And, and I was—I just wanted to concentrate on what I had to do on the ice, and I was storyboarding a lot of the stuff. So that gave him a chance to shine in his area. He liked to uh, roll a blade, let him do that. Hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned the directors—they didn't know what to do. Um, how much conflict is there with like a director, whether it was on the Mighty Ducks or somewhere else, between doing? the hockey right and kind of doing what the director wants to do out in this scene? Well, I think you have to be a diplomat. You're not going to disappoint a director because he's the man and basically you're there to support him and makes the suggestions. So, uh, 
I mean, obviously, if you look at the duck script, you know, and it's amazing how many people are out there go, well, this was wrong, that was wrong. It's a story. It's a kid's movie. It's fun. And, and of course, they stretch it, the imagination. And like I've said before, Steve Brill was brilliant with a script, very funny stuff. And so that, that's how it is. So you go with it. And, but think about it. The, uh, uh, what, the B? What do they call it now? I've forgotten. Flying V? Yeah. They actually use that now in hockey. The Swedes do a whole thing where they have their national team uh, coaches in a way that the guys will flood a zone. And and I've seen it in the NHL where guys will come up, they'll basically stop uh, just inside the uh, blue line, fire it in, everybody is coming full bore, and that's just a version of it. So you put it on film, people see it, they adapt to it, and they use it. It's amazing. Whenever you were working uh, on uh, the Mighty Ducks movies and then beyond, um, was there any point where you thought you could or wanted to kind of try your hand at any of the diff- any other roles as far as behind the scenes goes? Um, you know, nope. any nope. other? I knew exactly, exactly what my role would be, but if, you know, if the first film I worked on was a film with Michael Keaton, a thing called Touch and Go, and uh, I've been hired for that. And when I came in to do it, you know, I, we started training him. And I was in the producer's office one day and he said, you know, we've got to get a storyboard artist. I said, I can do that. And so now I'm storyboarding. Now I'm with the director and the director was saying, anything funny with the script, everything would change. And I said, yeah, you only have one coach on the bench, you need two. He said, you want to read for the part. By that time, I'd been there long enough and basically all I would be playing is myself as a coach. So. I got that part. So that I just kept trying to find things that would work. If they let me do it, I talked myself into it. I, I, it was, that's another paycheck. I like to get a lot of different paychecks, not just one. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's how you, and, you know, and those were the areas I was comfortable in. And so I, I enjoyed doing them all. So, yep. so do, do you think uh, Steve Brill was ever nervous that maybe you were gunning for his job? Never. <laughs> Nobody said about it, Steve. And, you know, Steve told a story on probably one of your pod, podcasts where he, he had written everything. He went there and he just stuck around. And so each time we did a film, Steve was there for the duration. What a smart move he made. And, uh, and he came out and we hacked around and uh, he loved the hockey part of it. In fact, when we used to travel on the road with a lot of the actors, uh, Steve, uh, we went back to Rochester where he's from and we put him on the team and took him with us. He played with us a couple of times. So, yeah, <laughs> but he's a hockey guy. So who could write? Yep. Yeah. You talked a little bit about your other roles as the ref and the coach and that kind of stuff that you do have a few lines in there. Did you like practice those lines? Like how much, how serious did you take like those one or two snippets there? <laughs> Well, I spent a lot of time in my room going, I hope I don't screw this up tomorrow. I'll tell you that. You know, and I hope I get my, you know, I'm, I'm, timing is good. You know, what do you mean a sense of time? I just try to blurt it out. But, but you're, once you get into the, into it, you kind of get comfortable with it. But I will tell you a funny story that happened to me with my wife. When I was playing the, uh, the coach in the third one, mm-hmm. it was the end of the day. I'm up on the bench and I got to do a line there and it, now everybody's tired. It's been a long 12-hour day. And I've got, you know, the uh, directors tell me what he wants. And 
cinematographer is there, okay, here's how we'll do this. And I look down to my left, and my wife is there, and she's kind of touching her throat. I'm thinking, what, is it my tie? Is it my shirt? You know, so now I've got the other director. And uh, it turned out after, she was telling me to clear my throat. So I, I have to work. <laughs> Whatever I'm on a set, I have to have her with me to give, give me that signal underneath the neck. <laughs> So everybody wants to be involved. That's how it works. They get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Now, so. we spent a lot of time last time talking about getting the kids to skate and that kind of stuff. How much did you work with Emilio Estevez in terms of getting him to skate and making it look good and that kind of stuff? Well, he had just married Paula, and he wasn't in- interested in skating that much. <laughs> And that's the honest truth. He told me that. He said, look, I just got married, you know, and, uh, you know, he'd do the job, but he wasn't going to be training a lot. So, uh, and, but when he was there, he was great. I mean, he's a good guy. And whenever I had him on the ice, uh, we never, never had him on the ice by himself. He was always with the, uh, the ducks and, uh, and I always referred to him as the coach. You give him that respect and, uh, and he has that great uh, contagious laugh and, uh, he, he he was great. No no problem at all with him. Did it create any difficulties that he didn't want to skate maybe as much as you wanted him to? No, we just got him a good a good double, and we got a great double for him. Yeah, <laughs> he was the double. Actually, that's how it works. I mean, we had a somebody who can make him look good, and he's very happy with that. He understands the role and how it's supposed to work. Yeah, if you got somebody who can do the hard stuff. By all means, as long as he can deliver the lines and be who he is, then you got a winner. You had um, last time you were on, you had mentioned that um, the actress who played um, the Iceland assistant coach, um, she wanted to kind of learn to skate when she was there. Were there any other um, adults who kind of took advantage of you being there and like used the opportunity to learn how to skate, or like did any of them want to like, hey, my character's like knows how to skate, so I should learn how to skate? Did anyone you know really kind of take you up on that? Well, you know, what's interesting, well, let's go back to the first film. The reason things worked out the way they did with the young man who was uh, cut from the film is that the producers would come into town and, and they would want to skate. And I had a producer on the ice the night that that happened when he uh, cross-checked the uh, 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 Connie character. So that was the end of him because he'd already been put on notice. And once I... I was going to have to do something about it, but it was very easy because the producer went back and they weren't going to allow any of that bad behavior. Hmm. Jack, of course, is speaking the, about uh, the original Adam Banks there. Oh, sorry, Jack, continue. Yeah, and then the uh, I was telling you about the uh, Rob Lieberman and how he uh, and Mary Lou Henry had just had a baby and uh, he called me over during one of the sessions and said, uh, after we were shooting, and said, here's my baby, you're the only one I, I would trust and take the baby for a skate. And I'm thinking, I'm on a Hollywood set and there's paper and stuff all over the ice and bits and pieces of stuff. And, and I'm going, what happens if I fall with this baby? My <laughs> career would be over. So I was prepared if I went down, I would hit, go down on my knees and just roll with the baby. But those are little things that do get your attention in a hurry. You know, imagine if I dropped the baby. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, that, those are scary moments. And uh, I worked with uh, 
Paul, Paul Michael Blazer, who would play Starsky on television. Mm -hmm. Well, Paul, I did the running man with him and, uh, we did, uh, the cutting edge with him. Well, he, uh, he was one of the guys that came to my clinic way back in the day. He was doing a film up in Toronto and needed to get ready for it. And who would think that later on I'd end up working on two films with him? It's, it's just funny. It's a big world, but yet it's a small world on how things turn out. And I remember working with him. He had skated, and he had had the skates on, but he didn't want to train. He was too busy. But uh, he, he was an interesting guy, and... Uh, and I remember him saying to me one time, we were having a problem with one of the scenes. We had a, a double who was acting up. He thought the film was about him. And I remember the only time he gave me a hard time, he said, Jack, this is killing me, which was a signal. Do something about it, which I did. So, yep. Uh, so, Jack, you said you worked on right. The Running Man. The Was that the movie with Schwarzenegger? That's it. Yeah. Do you remember Sub-Zero? Yeah. yeah, wasn't there uh, some kind of like one of the, I guess, parts of the movie? For those who haven't watched the movie, it's basically you're in a kind of game show where you basically try to travel and not die. It's it's really good, but uh, there's like an ice skating part. Yeah, and what was the uh, Sub-Zero was played by a, uh, an actor who since passed away, uh, Tora Tanaka, and he had been a professional wrestler and had to be taught. When they brought him to me the first time for him to try out the escape, he lived, uh, and this is no, dis no disrespect to him, but he was in tears because the skates hurt his feet. Mm -hmm. He was having a tough time. And I just grabbed him. I said, look, professor, we'll get you in the right equipment. We'll get you in equipment. If you fall, you'll be okay. And I'll make it work because he, nobody wants not to get apart. They want this thing to work. And so, uh, it did. Uh, we got him going. He was doing fine. I had a uh, hockey buddy of mine, Al Cleland, and uh, we put him in the bodysuit. And he, uh, and it's a funny story about this, but anyhow, he did a great job. And uh, at one point, they had decided because we we were hockey guys that they the uh, union had complained and they were going to reshoot it using our stunt guys to do it. They shot it, and it was terrible. <laughs> they had to come back and hire Al to do it all over again. Now, the, the days he was shooting the heaviest stuff, he had called me. I was working for Hanna-Barbera, and he said, Jack, you've got to be there. I said, but Al, I'm doing this Hanna-Barbera thing. He said, no, you've got to be there. And I said, okay. And he said, here's what we can do. I, I said, I can pretend I'm sick. So I went into this. I went to the, uh, the rink in the morning, went into makeup, and they made me up to look like I was really sick. And I looked like I was barely able to move. So I went back to Hanna-Barbera, went in and talked to the guy I was working with at the time. I said, I don't think I can make it. I kept coughing. Like, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll stay if you want me to, but I just, I don't feel good. And they said, go. So I left, went right back to the uh, <laughs> studio and uh, did, the, did the day without. So he had a little support and what he needed. Yeah. So that was working with that. But the professor, when I trained him, He'd be on the ice with maybe 30 or 40 other little kids. And I'd put him in the middle, and I had somebody who would tie his skates for him. He, couldn't eat. he was so big, it was hard for him to lean over and tie his skates. Mm -hmm. And so he couldn't last as long as the kids would. But what I would do with him, when he was getting ready to leave, I'd line everybody up in the line. And because he was playing, he was really Hawaiian, playing an Oriental character, 
we would, I would say, professor, thank you. I'd bow my head. And all the kids would bow their head. We would say good night to the professor and off you go. But he was a wonderful guy and uh, traveled with us when we uh, would play celebrity games and really, really liked him a lot and miss him. Did, uh, did Schwarzenegger have to ice skate at all in that movie? Not at all. No, I, I did meet him. Uh, I mean, interesting guy. And uh, it was fun to be around that kind of a world because uh, some pretty macho guys in that world, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So going back to the Mighty Ducks here, did you keep anything from the Mighty Ducks? Did you steal anything from the set? Like what kind of Mighty Ducks swag do you have? Well, it's amazing because when we did the first movie, they uh, they didn't have a logo yet. And I said, well, gee, you know, this is crazy. We got a training camp and everything else. And he said, well, you know, they, they don't want to be doing a thing. So I, I said, the heck with them. I designed my own logo. So I did a little, and I'll, I'll say, I can send you something. Okay. And there was a, a Mighty Ducks hockey camp uh, uh, T-shirt. And then I had all these contacts in the uh, hockey business. So we had uh, practice jerseys made up and uh, uh, sweatshirts. We had the whole thing. So at the end of the first movie, you know, they have what they call a rap party, which you're aware of. Mm-hmm. Well, the doubles who were so important to me didn't have a rap party. So I gave them my own rap party <laughs> and every one of them got some of that material and, and they, they were thanked and, and how much I appreciated what they did for me. So you always take care of your guys that are doing the hard work. <laughs> so I, I have a couple of t-shirts, stuff like that. And, uh, um, if I could dig one out, I'll, I'll send one to you guys, all right? Oh, all right. Yeah. And I, I still got some of the socks, you know, the green socks, and I kept a few of those items like that. But having hockey players for kids, all my kids have uh, basically eaten up and uh, used up all the, uh, any of the material we might have had. So, you know, over the years. So, yeah. Damn kids there. Uh, <laughs> now, the other thing I do have for you, uh, I can send it to you if you want to transfer it. Sure. I've, I've, got, a, uh, I've got a gag reel from uh, Mighty Ducks 3. Yeah. And so I know you're interested in that. That would be fun. That's behind the scenes kind of stuff. And uh, there might be some things in there. I know I've got a, a little scene I do with Matt Dory. I was in a makeup chair and he came by to bug me and I... I let him have it as the coach and told him, get the hell out of there. But <laughs> you'll see it. Yep. So, in fact, I talked to him uh, last week. He's doing well. And one of the things he said, you know, it's so neat to have been a part of it all. Because mm-hmm. once you're a duck, you're a duck forever. So his memories will be forever that. So, yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So before we get to the quack question here, I am just yeah. curious. We've talked with you for Coming up on an hour now, uh, is there any story you've been like dying to tell, or do you have any like random story that's just waiting in the wings? Like, what is the best sort of story you have that we have not asked you about yet? Ah, let's see, that's a, that's a good one. Oh, okay, did I tell you about one of my favorite stories? I may have told it to you already. Remember the scene where uh, Goldberg skates off with the net? Mm-hmm. Did I tell you that one? I don't think so. Okay, well, what happened, the day we shot that, and I love Goldberg, but he could be a, a pain in the butt a little bit, right? <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, we had tied him to the net, and we were shooting all these pucks at him. Well, I wanted to use real pucks, but we used uh, uh, sponge 
mm-hmm. rubber pucks. So we couldn't hurt them, but we could, you know, make it dramatic. And uh, as was, the scene was ending, the guys leave, and he's still tied up to the net. And they wanted to, they were going to say, look, let's just come back and we'll untie him and off they'll go. I said, no. I, said to the, I just happened to say it, and they heard me, and they went with it. Just leave him tied up. Let him walk off with the net. It would be funnier. And, you know, it was kind of a little revenge for that. And so they left it in. So that was one of those, <clears throat> excuse me, moments that you you come up with, but it's all spontaneous. Yeah, so it worked out well. <laughs> nice. And it was funny. So, yeah. Yeah. Was uh, was Goldberg or, or Sean upset when you guys left him with net? No, no but he, that day, I, I think I read it when it was with you guys or whatever, he was kind of sick. He was... Uh, not feeling too well. Yeah. He was having to go to the bathroom a lot. So, <laughs> so, so I didn't. If I'd known that, I would have kept. I would have. Uh, I would have done something to that net to keep it uh, planted there, so we'd really have to work at it. So, yeah, absolutely. Nice, nice. Well, All right. So let's go here to the quack question. Uh, Jack is familiar with the quack question. For those that aren't familiar, you ask us questions on Twitter, Facebook, email them in. We try to answer them. We, we put out another call for questions just for you, Jack. So Kevin has the quack question for you right now. All right. Yep. Uh, this week's quack question comes from uh, Totally Offside, who's at Totally Offside on Twitter. Um, okay. The question is, if you had to put together a hockey team and could choose players from any of the teams, not just the Ducks, across the three films, who would you choose? Oh, well, geez, Goldberg would have to be the goalie. If nothing else, on the road trips, he would be hilarious. Okay. <laughs> now, Matt Doherty would be fantastic because, again, sense of humor was fun, and he loved the game. He literally, literally loved the game. Uh, Lil Guy uh, would have been great because he turned out to be a really good hockey player. Mike Batar, Mike was a grinder and uh, worked hard. He's a guy. And I think probably on defense, I would have to go with little Tom, little Tommy from the first film. Oh uh, yeah, he's a redhead, cute kid, and <laughs> and and then you would have to have Portman because when he wasn't uh, playing, he could be uh, he could be doing playing some music for you. So so no non ducks. He would be our enforcer. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you wouldn't get. You wouldn't choose any of the uh, non ducks. No, the heck with it. Are you kidding? We'd, we'd <laughs> like to flip. We'd, we'd win anyhow. It would turn out our way. Now, uh, I mean, we talked to your son there, Brad Perry, and he revealed that he was on the Trinidad and Tobago team. So you basically have sort of just passed on putting your son on your team. Yeah, Brad's going to have to stand on his own. That's the way it goes. <laughs> we did the job with Brad. Now I would do the job for those little ducks. But we'd catch them. We'd get them. yeah uh i mean just speaking of brad uh, he talked about coming up with the the trick well he just put it online where he basically turned the stick around dragged the puck up onto a shaft like did a spin move and batted into the net he said that was for d2 um just what do you remember about him coming up with that trick and like what was he sort of asked to do and what was your reaction when you saw that well, the thing, I had both my sons on the film. I had PJ and, and Brad, and both of them were capable. But when I was training them as kids, and once I started doing the film work, I started to train 
in the camps doing things. Like, you know how, you ever been in a rink, you know how high the boards are? Yeah. Okay. So both of them could skate to the boards, stop, and jump and land either over the boards or on top of the boards. And there was wow. a rink in Pasadena had had kind of a big lip. They would they would jump and be on top of that. Now Jeez. you got thirty kids on the ice, different ages. They see that, they're impressed. And what we did, I remember we'd run that drill every once. We'd you know we let everybody see it. And uh, I saw little kids who would be. Uh, trying to help each other over the board so they could say they did it. <laughs> and my daughter, Brooke, who, uh, uh, who uh, doubled for Connie, when she was a kid, and they did that, she got off the ice on the other side where seats were higher and jumped back on so she could say, hey, I did it too. <laughs> so I knew she was going to be a hockey player. I had them. And they started late in life. They were like 12. So we had to work hard. All we did was try to plant the seeds. And then when I... Well, I would do try to do impossible things with them, mm-hmm. so that if I ever had to shoot something, they would have the skills to do it. So that was there was a an idea. But Brad is definitely creative, and uh, he's going to have a, a career all his own, which he already has. He's been unbelievable. The other thing Brad did, he drove the Zamboni through the uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, the board. So yeah, so we used them quite a bit for a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, he told us about that. So, uh, Jack, I think people should go to Hockey in Hollywood on Facebook. That's your Facebook page. Uh, yeah, Hockey in Hollywood slash uh, Jack White. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, a lot of pictures on there, a lot of different uh, stuff from Jack's time in Hollywood playing hockey, hence the name there. Um, for us, the com, Facebook.com slash Pod. At Quack Tech Pod on Twitter, go to iTunes. Tell us your favorite uh, story that Jack has told us in the now hour we've talked to him. Uh, go to the shop, get some shirts, and remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack quack. Ain't no turning back. Got to be the man.